Welcome to Off the Board Sports. We are three professional sports handicappers. In each podcast episode, we will give three to five free sport picks to our listeners. We will also dive into the hottest sports topics around the globe and offer our opinions. Let's get right into our show before our picks are taken off the board. Good morning on this Friday, February 2nd, and welcome to Off the Board Sports in today's edition your number one source for free sports picks, hitting at 64%. That do not cost you one single penny. Just listen to our show. We also offer the hottest sports opinions on the hottest sports topics on the planet. We're going to kick this show off today. It's been a rainy morning here in sunny San Diego, California. We got a couple of things to talk about. First of all, let's look at the coaching uh, higher. Seattle Seahawks get Michael McDonald, the defensive corner, now the youngest coach in the NFL at 36 years old. He was a defensive corner for Baltimore, also spent the year prior to that at Michigan, and then prior to that at Baltimore. NFL leading 16.2 points a game in the NFL. Best defensive scoring team replaces the legend, P.D. Carroll at Seattle. He's going to have big shield Big shoes to fill, excuse me, in Seattle. We all know, Juan, being a head coach is a lot different than being a coordinator. How do you like this hire? Yeah, well, if you look around the NFL and another NFL coaches that got hired, I'm not high on several of them, including this one. Um, you talked about, well, Brandon Stanley, when he got hired as Los Angeles Chargers head coach to take over, he was a defensive coordinator himself. But, again, this thing's just too good to be true. You can be a great defensive coach or coordinator, but when you're a head coach, it's a whole new ball game for these guys, and you see it year in, year out. Um, I just don't see it. I mean, I think it's going to be a disappointment for Seattle. I think there's only a few guys that can transition. You've seen Jim Harbaugh going to Los Angeles. I think that's the number one overall right now with the new head coaches. But um, I just don't see it with Mike McDonald. I mean, he's a great defensive mindset coach. But when you're a head coach, you have so much more responsibilities. And I don't know if he's going to handle the pressure. You talk about his age, the youngest in the NFL. Um, I just don't see it. I don't like it. I would have went with an experienced guy, probably a Venable from uh, Tennessee. You know where he's at now. But um, I just don't know. I just uh, have big-time doubts with Mike McDonald. Yeah, I mean, let's give a little props. I mean, the man that he's replacing, those are big shoes to fill. You can argue... Probably the best, maybe some of the best uh, coach that coached it at the, the collegiate level and also the pro level. One one at the highest level in each in college and NFL. I know Marco Lissom is probably the modern GOAT, Pete Carroll. Do you see this man even coming close? Well, there's a lot of young pieces on that Seattle defense. You got two young corners in Weatherspoon and Woolley. You got some uh, the safety, Jamal Adams there, Quandre Diggs. So there's some pieces to work with. Their defense was better this year under their defensive coordinator, but like Juan said, we've seen this story down the line before about these great offensive coordinators, great defensive coordinators transitioning to a head coach, and sometimes it works out more than often not, it doesn't. You look at Steve Spagnuolo and Allen down in uh, New Orleans when he had his tenure in the Raiders where he was just playing awful. Uh, some guys are just better, better suited just calling defense or offense. We'll see if McDaniel can make that transition. Again, another guy I'm going to throw out there, the great offensive coordinator uh, for the Patriots, McDaniel, also his name, uh, or McDaniel, and he really couldn't transition to head coach with Denver, and then you saw him go to Vegas and get fired there again. But um, he's young. We'll see a lot of guys 
like the vibe around him, according to a lot of the reports and uh, things like that. But kind of reminds me of a little uh, D'Amico Ryan's, if I had to compare him to one guy, or maybe like a Robert Salah. They're both all defensive, great-minded head coaches. But uh, I think Seattle, you know, they don't have a great offense. Uh, you know, they're still working some things with Geno Smith. Uh, got some great playmakers on that side of the ball. So, uh, again, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see if he can make the transition. But, uh, I don't know, I got some doubts about it in my opinion as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got a lot of things. I mean, we saw he, uh, he, he has a good good mindset, young. NFL is tough to win, a whole different ball game. You have to be more of a manager, a CEO type when it comes to handling personnel, defensive corners, all that in the NFL. We're going to, our next segment, uh, we're going to recap our future plays at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Again, this is now a signature event. So, yes, the pros are just only playing with the pros and little Tom Brady and uh, Jared Allen are there playing with each other in their own group. Uh, Only Thursday and Friday, the uh, celebrities, the athletes play in this tournament. Now, it's got a whole different vibe. Kind of like it. It's a lot more serious right now. And the young Belgian star, Tomas Dietrich, has the lead at minus nine. I got you in there with Patrick Hanley. You ask, how do we know? Well, that's how we know. Patrick Hanley, eight under right now, sitting on the board. The return of Rory McIlroy to this tournament. He was one of the co-leaders who had a triple bogey on the par five. We're going to let Juan talk about some of his picks and who else. Hey, this, hey, this Aberg, he might be for uh, he might be for real, right? Yeah, I talk about Aberg, but back to Rory McIlroy. I said it time and time again, same old story with old Rory. Uh, minus one yesterday, just pathetic in my opinion. He was in uh, minus five at one point. And that might, yeah. um, that's just pathetic what he did yesterday in this, not one of the toughest courses. It's one of the easiest ones on tour. The weather was good yesterday for most of the day. It will be again with the weather until tomorrow and into the Sunday is going to be with a lot of rain. But, yeah, we talk about the top of the leaderboard. I have my guy there, Colin Morikawa, at minus five. Max Homo is at minus three. I like where they're at. I like where they're at in the, right now on the leaderboard. Again, weather coming in. You have to have a big day today. Weather looks good. So expect some of these guys to go for it, especially with the rain coming. But, yeah, you're talking about some other guys. Patrick Cantley. We all know how his uh, style of play is. Uh, it frustrates a lot of p- players that he plays with. But, um, yeah, I expect him to come down, to be quite honest. He had an excellent day yesterday at minus eight, but I can't see him shooting nowhere near that today. Um, you talked about Aberg, yes, the young Sweden. Um, you, of course, you have Justin Rose there at minus four. He shot pretty well yesterday for most of yeah. the day. But, yeah, um, I like where my guys are. And you got last week's winner there right at top of the leaderboard there as well, and Pavon, who uh, is carrying the momentum into this week as well. Uh, but I like my guys. You know, I have Danny McCarthy. He played a really solid round yesterday. Clean round of golf besides the one bogey. He missed a couple of putts inside 10 feet, which is usually money for him. He's one of the best uh, putters on tour. But, uh, again, two uh, top 10 finishes uh, here at uh, Pebble Beach. He had him go uh, to finish fourth last year. So I expect him uh, to be there on Sunday. But you look a little bit down the board. Hovland, he didn't take advantage of the par fives yesterday. He started off hot birding the, the first two of the three holes, but only getting one birdie on the uh, four, of the, uh, four of the par five. So uh, that was a little concerning. Uh, he has to take advantage of that, and we all know he can, and uh, he's really good. He's been good over and as solid as it comes over the last year. So if he does that over the next three days, I expect him to be there on Sunday as well. And then Jordan Sabith, uh, I thought was, I was expecting a better performance from him yesterday. Started off good, but then again, he just – they really didn't even get it going. He was bogeying some holes and uh, finished even on the round. But 
Uh, expecting a big day from Speed to, to bounce back today, but uh, I like where my guys are right now. Yeah, a lot of guys uh, started really good uh, for even three quarters around and kind of faltered at the end there. You just mentioned uh, your player, uh, Rory. Uh, one of my other picks, Xander, was up to three under, was looking good on a birdie shot to get take it to four under. He ended up at plus one, so he totally fell apart <laughs> at the last few holes as well. So Xander not doing yeah, too. Xander doesn't play well. Yeah, in these he's conditions. not doing too good at all either. He, he San likes, Diego. Kid. He likes playing in the wind. That, that's what he said many times. Not so much the rain. And yes, yeah, triple really bogey on that par five for him. Yeah, yeah, that true. That par five's causing there. a lot of trouble for some of the top players yeah. in the world. I don't know how it's a par five. But yeah. yeah. Got, speaking of Roy, he's kind of switched his tone on live now. Now he's saying that he that he welcomes it. So this guy. Yeah, you know, he. I think a lot of it is he's just got a lot of other things off the course that he's, he's just got his mind on. He needs to just concentrate on the course. Uh, yeah, we're not probably going to be picking this kid for a long time. We've yeah, learned our lesson. I faded him almost every time. not learned their lesson. But, I hey, welcome. We take, uh, we're taking value, we take value with other players. I'm talking here. We take care <laughs> of value years. with other players. <laughs> so, uh, Juan, let's kick in our first free pick today for our listeners out there. Hitting at 64%. Well, we'll just call it 65. I'm thinking it's 64.8%. We're going to get a couple more winners, and we're going to hit it at 65. Yeah, I'm going to go out in the IV. You know, I talked about this Princeton team a lot. I have them to get to the Final Four at a plus uh, uh, money year, 101. But, yeah, they're 50-2 and two on the year. They're playing a very good Yale Bulldogs team. You know, they seem to always go at it in the IV conference year in, year out. Um, I like Princeton on the road, plus 3.5. Keep my winning streak going, boys, headed into tomorrow, into the weekend. I think the guards of Princeton's a little bit better. The depth's a little bit better. And, you know, Yale, they're 4-0 right now in the conference. Princeton fell last week to Cornell, so they got to get that game back in hand. Uh, Cornell's a very good team also in the Ivy. But I'm going to go Princeton on the road. I think they need this game more. You know, the Bulldogs are very good to you. Give me a plus three and a half. Okay, Marco, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going to the Big East matchup today. I'm going Butler and Creighton. I'm looking at the total here, uh, 147 and a half right now. And I like this to hit the over here. You know, Butler's been an underrated team in the Big East, averaging 80 points per game. They got great guards. Got Brooks, Telford, Davis, and Posh Alexander, the transfer from St. John's. They can all score, all averaging double figures right now. They got size as well on this Butler team to contend with Cockbrenner down low. And we all know how great uh, Creighton is on on the offensive side. So I think this is going to be an up-and-down track meet. I think the total's a little low. I was expecting this in the 150s. So I like Butler, like I said, as a team, averaging 80 points. Creighton's near there as well. And uh, Butler's played everyone tough in the Big East, you know, knocking off Marquette, beating Villanova. And like I said, a very underrated Bulldog team. So I expect this to be close late. I like both of these teams to be in the 70s, and I'm going to take the over here. There you go. Take the over. We're going to get into a little topic that's creating a little bit of controversy in the NBA uh, some players coming out vocal about the uh, minimum 65 game rule. Uh, what a lot of listeners out there, if you're not really familiar with it, in order to get your postseason bonuses, uh, the NBA has instituted a minimum of 65 games you have to play in the league in order to qualify for these bonuses. I personally do not have a problem with it. I know Mr. Halliburton at uh, Indiana hates it because he's only if he misses two or three more games, he does not get a what is it, 40 million dollars. But yeah. For his, well, I'll tell you what. Be healthy. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I, Joe Embiid, or uh, let's just take any player. Anthony, let's just take any player. I don't care who it is. You can have the greatest 30 games or 40 games in an 82-game season. And if that's all you play, I'm, I'm not going to qualify you for MVP of the year or uh, NBA rookie or any bonuses like that. 
You have to play the game. A lot of these guys are just taking every other day off. Look at these two Lakers stars. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's a mess. I think these guys, everyone argues about, whoa, well, look at this. This guy's his age or that guy's age. What he's playing? Well, you, you only play half the season in a soft league that plays no defense. So, so of course, you can. your body's going to be able to handle that a lot more. Do you, you guys think they should get their bonuses if they don't meet this criteria? Is the criteria too high? Maybe it should go to 55 or 60. But right now, since it's 65, I have no problem with it. Yeah, it's not only for the bonus. Yeah, no it's problem. for uh, player awards. It's for all the player awards, yes. uh, year of every category. Yes, but if you win awards, some some of your contracts are tied in to get a bonus. If you yeah, win but a lot of these superstars, you talk about the Joel Bees, Jokic, Luka Doncic, they don't care about bonuses. They're they're well taken care of with their contracts already. Yeah. So that's not going to be affecting any of those players. A lot of these players won't be affected with the bonuses. It's more of their awards, in my yeah. opinion, that people have a gripe with. That's why Joel Embiid is going to miss his opportunity to get the MVP this they season. Should. Well, not really, because he's been one of the most dominant players in the league. But um, certainly has. You just can't fight injuries. I mean, he's been fighting injuries his whole career. He's uh, bounced back quite nicely. But again, uh, it's going to hit him this year hard again, and it's going to miss an opportunity to get the MVP for him. He was yeah. uh, a clear front runner, slightly over some other guys. But now that opens a door. It looks like Jokic, Donage, Gillis, Alexander's yep. there as well. But, yeah, that's what I have more of a gripe with. I could care less about the bonuses. Uh, just get the awards. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I totally agree with the awards. And, uh, yeah, the bonuses are important and nice for the players at the end of the year. But I totally agree with the awards. You, just look at Joel Embiid over his career. He's only hit over the 66-game mark twice. And that was last year at 66 and the year before that at 68. Yeah. Other than that, he hasn't came close. So, for a guy like him, yeah, it's obviously going to affect him for all pro, uh, NBA defense, all that. Uh, but I agree with the rule. I think you have to be on the court for at least 66 games. That's more than three-fourths of the season. I don't think you should be allowed there 50, 40 games because you, as an MVP, if you're putting up stats like how he mentioned over here, that uh, you got to be on the court. And it's like baseball. you got to have so many at-bats to qualify for awards. You have so many innings pitched, so many starts. So I totally agree with the rule. I know players and people around the league don't and NBA fans don't. But if you want to be and be paid, you got to be stay healthy, take care of your body, and uh, stay on the court. In my opinion, exactly. So let's going to wrap it up here for today. I want to talk to everyone out here. Welcome to our show tomorrow. Get some listeners and get your popcorn for tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a action-packed show, as there is just three, and I'm just talking about the top three. There's some other. There's some other doozies out there tomorrow on the NCAA basketball front. Tomorrow's Houston and Kansas. We're in diamond of these big three games. North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky and Tennessee. These are three mega matchups tomorrow in the world of college basketball. You have your two free plays. Go get them before they go off the board. Good luck, and we'll see you here back tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Off the Board Sports. For any inquiries regarding our paid services, please email us at offtheboardsports at gmail.com. We invite you to follow us on Twitter at OtheBoardSports and Instagram at OffTheBoardSports. Thank you and best of luck.